Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're well. We are moving incredibly fast through my 50 most relevant for 2021. It's the players I believe across all your salary formats of Dream Team, Supercoach and AFL Fantasy are the most relevant for discussion at the start of the year. Number 18 is a fascinating player. And for some, they see Zach Williams' name and they go, MJ, mate, what are you doing? How is he not in your top 10? He's one of the easiest picks of the year. And for others, they're just going whoa, don't get too carried away on the hype train. So, look, we're going to talk all about that. Our good friends at Jock Reynolds. I've got Lek Dog on for his first ever podcast with us. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm fantastic, MJ. Thank you for having me on. It's a bloody pleasure, mate. Mate, it's good to chat to you. And, of course, if people don't know Jock Reynolds in the Supercoach community, firstly, where have you been? Um, but, secondly, you guys are doing some great podcasts at the moment. Uh, before we get into Zach Williams, what some of the stuff you guys are working on at the moment that people that love the coaches panel maybe haven't caught up with Jock Reynolds just yet could go and check out? Yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff happening at the moment over on the website, jockreynolds.com.au. Uh, we've got the whole crew involved this year doing breakdowns of each team. We're doing our locks, drops, players we're going to avoid on each team, breakouts, all that, and then... We've got a bunch of great stuff from Baron Von Crow, who's basically broken down every player's year um, yeah. into averages, you know, first third, middle third and back third of the year, including finals as well. And it's a good indicator, I think, of some potential breakouts. So jump in, have a look at the stats. There's uh, plenty to consume. Plenty to check out. And of course, if you're more of an AFL fantasy or dream team player, yeah, maybe some of the stats, facts and figures don't correlate as much, but the insight and the wisdom that some of the guys in terms of their commentary around it is definitely worth checking out. All right, let's talk about this 26-year-old uh, superstar of a player. And there's a reason why we've got Lek Dog on because he may or may not just be his new boy for 2021. His best score last year in AFL Fantasy was a 90 against the Demons, while in Supercoach, it was a 112 against the Gold Coast Suns. Both those scores are nowhere near career top scores from him. It was a 142 against the Swans in AFL Fantasy just a couple of years ago in 2019, while in Supercoach, a 145 against the Dons back in 2017. In that format of Supercoach, he's got the average of 85.1, certainly nowhere near what he's done the past few years. So we've got a bit of fat on the bone if we're going to pick him. While in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a 65.6 was his average last year. If you want to play the adjusted averages game in that format, multiplying your scores and averages by 0.125, he's an 82. In AFL Fantasy, he's going to set you back just over 620K, just over 600,000 in Dream Team, while in Supercoach, Supercoach, just over 458,000. And Lek Dog, for the past, well, two, three, five, maybe decade, if we're to be really, really honest, Carlton have had some really talented midfielders. Patrick Cripps has certainly been the leader of late, but Murphy and Gibbs are certainly when they're at their peak, were nothing to be sneezed at, let alone a, a generational player in Chris Judd. But the type of player they've been screaming out for they believe they've landed with the free agency move of Zach Williams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we call it the void of significance. They haven't had that other big name midfielder in there with Cripper in a while. And I'm not someone who's always thought we need a big body, but we definitely needed some more talent through the middle. We had a look at the center bounce attendances for 2020. Uh, Ed Kerno was our number one player at the Blues, 89% as an average. Uh, Paddy Cripps was next with 85 And then, 
you got the two Ruckman and the next best was Will Setterfield. And he was only in at 48% uh, center bounce attendances. I think Williams is going to be in that up 80% or higher range. I think mm. it just makes sense. You know, they've talked about bringing him over as a midfielder. There's a gap there for him to come over as a midfielder and they want to win. And I don't think they're going to do that by playing him in a pretty deep back line. So the midfield is the only spot I can see him playing. It makes the most amount of sense to it. And as we look back on his 2020 season, um, the COVID break actually helped him. If you were thinking about picking him in round one 12 months ago, because you remember that really hot end to the 2019 season, oh, don't worry. we'll talk about that in a second. Um, you're like, it's keen, it's happening, he's broken out, he's, he's, he's fine, he's over his health and you know injury issues. No, couldn't get up for round one. Thankfully, for his benefit, COVID hit. Manny could take that time, got himself fit, played a handful of games. Then what happens? Yep, sure enough, injury hits for him in round four. He's out for another month uh, with a hamstring injury. Then comes back in round nine and pretty much plays from then on till the end of the year. But from a fantasy footy perspective, a seasonal average of 65 in Dream Team and Fantasy, that 82 adjusted. Two tons in that, uh, two 90s in that format for the year, plus an 80 that format, there wasn't the scaling that Supercoach had. So 80 was basically 100 in that format of last year. While in Supercoach, still the three tons plus a 94. And again, remembering there was some role readjustment that GWS midfield, in fact, that entire side last year, they just got no mojo going whatsoever. Um, but when we do think about Zach Williams, Lek Dog, everybody now at a new club, that everybody holds that back half of that 2019 season when he did move into the middle field with much claim because if he can replicate that scoring at Carlton, man, at his price, we've got some value. Yeah, well, from a super coach point of view, I think it's almost a no-brainer. I think at 458K, very affordable. You could go pretty deep, slot him in at D4 if you want. But mm. uh, I think the, the key value, we look at 2019 when he did play midfield over that last 10 games, I've got him down at 100.6, including mm. the finals that they played and not a great grand final, but no. that's in there. And so I think he can be a hundred average player in the Blues midfield. They need someone to stand up. And then even last year, there was only two games where he attended a centre bounce. And that's not the best way necessary to look at someone as a midfielder. Sure. But it's, a, it's an indicator. And in those two games, he pumped out uh, one of his only tons of the year, uh, 101 in round 17, and then 66 in round 18 for Supercoach, uh, 90 for AFL Fantasy and 51, respectively. I just think there's opportunity to re replicate that uh that 2019 form. The thing I, I worry about with some commentators, not necessarily super coach or mm. fantasy commentators, more the general media commentators. Yeah, sure. just, they say he played one good game in 2019. They <laughs> talk about that prelim as if it was the only time he showed up in the midfield, but he did it for half a season and yeah. I, and he showed that he can do it. And we, the biggest concern for him is not the talent. It's not the role for me. It's, it's the injury history and, I think the Blues are getting better at keeping people on the park. Touch would not ex not including Charlie Kerner. We do not talk about that. No, no, no we don't speak <laughs> of him. But uh, I think this is just a great opportunity for him to be a very good super coach scorer and a very solid fantasy option as well. I just he's someone that's very highly uh, on my radar and someone I locked in pretty early as soon as uh, we were able to. 
Yeah, I think so. And the reason he's probably more beneficial in terms of his scoring upside in Supercoach is just he's an elite user of the ball. The way he penetrates lines with his run and carry, those score involvement stats that he's able to bring into the game for us too. In these formats of the games, you're going to get much more reward for these scoring columns where in AFL Fantasy, a kick's a kick. It doesn't really matter where it goes, what happens to it, what the next thing is. And some love that part of the game. Others find that frustrating and want something that's a little more reflective of the game. That's the benefit of having all these different formats is you can kind of pick one that you like to go for. And I think that's the big thing with him, isn't it? Is I've got no concern overall, especially with an Adam Saad coming in. If there was any of that, oh, is, that, is Nick Newman going to come back fit and firing? Is the petrevsky seaton experiment, is that still going to hold? Well, Saad's there now. So they don't need a run and carry defender. They've got that. What they do need is an elite second touch midfielder who's going to add some dynamic and some class. Setterfield, he's the one along with Cripps that's going to take that big workload. Then you've got Walsh developing as both an in and outsider. And now it's the, he really does come in, doesn't he, as that gravy midfielder where he can just add to the elements that are already there. But like you said, it's the injury history that has people scared off. Two pretty significant injuries last year. One caused him with the delay to the year. The other was the hamstring injury. 2019, he played 20 games. That's strong. You look back the next year and you go, oh, wait, nothing. Then you go back to 2017. You're like, oh, he played 20 games. Cool, cool, cool. 2016, 20 games. But that's the big thing for him at this price point. People are kind of going... Am I going to get him for the year or am I not? But the benefit is, Lake Dog, at that price, he doesn't have to be a year-end keeper, does he? No, he comes in at a discounted price because of that, you know, poorer year last year, which was injury-affected and role-affected. You can, it's not a huge premium you're, you're paying to get him into your classic side. So the risk to me just isn't that high. And if he does get hurt, unless it's in, well, even if it's in round one, his price isn't going to change. But if he does get hurt, you're going to be able to recover reasonably well. There's a lot of value yeah. in the back line. There's a lot of people you could sideways him to. And, you know, let's hope that he does play the whole year and doesn't get injured. He is a premium keeper option and he's going to make money regardless. So yeah. I'm pretty confident with him as a selection. And as you've said, there's not the role is there. I don't think there's a lot of uh, the back line's very deep at the Blues this yeah, year. It's especially their deepest line. Yeah. With Saad, they got Williamson, SPS, they're committed to playing back there. I think if Williams is going to rest somewhere out that isn't uh, in the midfield, I think he might even rest forward and kick a couple of snags for us. So yeah. we saw him do that a couple of times at GWS, didn't we, in 2020 and 2019, and added something kind of electric, you know, to that forward mix. So I, I agree. Roll safe, body's the question mark. And so anytime you've got a question mark on a player's physicality to get through the season, my um, encouragement to you is it's a start or it's a pass. You can't go, oh, I'm going to ignore him because of the injury history. Watch him pop 120 in Supercoach, 110 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team over the first five weeks and go, I've got to get him. No, no, no. Because if injury was the concern for you, based on stats and data, the opportunity for him to get injured, only that variable increases for every single week. So for me, I think it's if you're on him and you think he's going to go 90 for the year, which History says he's going to do that in Supercoach, certainly. AFL Fantasy needs a little more data to give you that confidence, but I feel like that's warranted. Um, I don't see any risk because if he gets injured, you mentioned some of those options. For another 100K, you could drop him to Melora. 
you could sideways him to an Alex Witherden if he gets into that Eagles best 22 who we talked about earlier in the 50 most relevant you've got Ben McAvoy if he gets back to that sole ruck role gosh you know there's an option there let alone Brody Smith if you're really a a good friend the phantom you know just like pain like there's there's options around for us so I don't think it's like you said it's we're not lacking in options we know what we can do is he the kind of guy like dog before we get to talking about drafts is he the type of player you could take on is he the guy with such high ownership potential above him with those injury risks could there be a benefit for a coach to go you know what I reckon I might go a Miller as an example, put that hundred K elsewhere and try to match him in score. Is he the kind of guy to take on or is it just such good value that we're trying to get too creative and go against him? I think he's the kind of guy you could have taken on if they didn't bring Adam Sard in because you could, you'd be worried that maybe he plays in defense if it doesn't work out in the midfield. The Blues have come out and they've said, he's a midfielder. We're playing him in the midfield. And I think the, the value is just too great to take him on, for my mind. Maybe I've got navy-tinted glasses on, but I just think the value's there, the role's there, and, yeah, the injury is the question mark. But the, the injury, a lot of these mid-price guys, there's a reason they're mid-price. Miller, yeah. I've got a lot of injury question marks. Yeah, over he's got the same concerns, injury. yeah. So if you're going to take a pun on one of these mid-price guys, why not pick the one that, has publicly been stated for six months that he's going to be the man in that midfield. I just think, I think I'm not going to take him on. I think I'm just going to select him and deal with play the cards as they, uh, as they come. Yeah. Look again, remember just in 2019, he averaged 101 across the year, much stronger. I think it was 107 off the last 11 games of the year, plus those final scores that Lek Doggy mentioned in Supercoach. And again, right up in that strong scoring sweet spot for us in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 92 across the year, up around that 105 marker over the final three months of the year. So when fit, when firing, He's going to be right among that premium tier defenders for us. Got a nice buy round for us too. It's not in that cataclysmic round 14 where we feel like we're torn between Laird and Lloyd and not sure what else to do. So it's a reasonably friendly buy round for us. I think the only reason you don't pick him is I'm concerned about the injury and you're going to go all in on that chips. Other than that, I feel across the formats, he seems to be pretty safe. It sounds like you're the same, man. Yeah, it's a it's a valid concern the injury, but I think it's hard to pick a full twenty a full team of thirty players without having some injury risks because you need yeah. those mid prices or one or two of those mid prices to give you some value. And I just I think the other side of it is that his his ceiling is really high. We've seen that he can pump out some huge scores, and he's going to be given every opportunity to do that. So I think. Uh, there's going to be weeks where his price skyrockets for a period of four weeks. And there's going to be some weeks where it dips where, you know, we can assess it then, but no, for me, I'm, I'm riding him all the way. Yeah, no, fair enough too. I didn't expect anything else from that other review, man. Now, before we wrap up this episode, we always look at where a player goes in drafts, generally in drafts, when a player gets a lot of preseason classic format hype in the salary cap formats, they get picked that little bit ahead of the pack for those that don't do too much draft research. What defensive position is he? Is he is D two too high? Is D four too low? Like where does he? Where's the sweet spot for picking Zach Williams on draft day? Yeah, look, I think you probably nailed it. I think ideally, I'd like to get him at D three because yeah. I think D two is going to be too high. I think he's going to go D two in a lot of drafts. I think I think he's going to go earlier than he probably should because of the risks. Mm. But it might pay off for those plays. But if I can get him at 
D3. If I can get him at D4, I'm laughing oh. because you're killing the draft. You can I get in that league. league, mate? Yeah. But uh, no, D3, I think that's the, the perfect place for him just because, yeah, all the benefits we've spoken about, plus, but then drag it down a little by injury. If he went through every game last year and averaged 100, he'd be D2, no worries. But he obviously didn't do that. So. Hopefully this time next year, we can be talking about him as a D1, D2 option. Well, you, you would think about that. We've got some really strong defensive options this year. Everyone keeps alluding to Laird, Lloyd and, and Lockie, the, the three L's right at the top. But even if you just drop it down a little bit, there's some crazy D1 scoring options we've got across the formats. Um, you've got Maynard who had a breakout year last year. Ridley had a breakout year. Daniel, a Stewart, Crisp. Mills has been solid, you know, for last year more than previous few seasons. Then you've got a Sam Doherty, his teammate, who flew out of the gates for us last year and had a bit of a slow start and isn't getting anywhere near the love that he probably might have got in other formats. Jaden Short, you know, career season best and fairest. Nick Haynes is always relevant relevant and valuable for us. And so all of a sudden you find yourself going, yeah, he, he could slip, sneak to a D3 because you hear that and you go, no, he's not. He's a D2, get stuffed. And it's like, no, no, no. Think, like this is where it can genuinely happen. Doesn't mean he won't go D2, but you can see a world where D3, you're right, like dog, it is that real sweet spot. Hey man, appreciate your thoughts today as we've talked about your new boy, Zach Williams. No worries, mate. I loved being here. Pleasure to do it. Mate, always good to chat fantasy footy with you, my friend. Of course, if you want to check out what the guys from Jock Reynolds are doing right across this preseason, uh, all the links for it are in this podcast description. And of course, maybe you've been following them across Twitter, Facebook, they're on Instagram, pretty much they're on everything. Um, it, it is all there. Make sure you follow Lek Dog and the rest of the team at Jock Reynolds. And tomorrow we get even deeper into the 50 most relevant. But if you want to catch up with any of the players, all the links are at coachespanel.tv for the articles and the podcast and if you want to get 24 hours early access to these some cash league prizes team reveals and a bunch of other exclusive content it's all at our patreon page links for that too are at coachespanel.tv yeah they already knew yesterday who we were talking about today all right that's getting into weird inception territory number 17 who are we going to be talking about tomorrow in the 50 most relevant our patreons they already know Give it a go. Now keep it true.